0: Well, hey, if you sign up for the, for the class, the resources I'm going to put online, like last week we watched a movie, Living Waters, and it's posted. So you can see that. Um, I put the NCC National, or uh, NCC Right Sanctity of Life statement that um, I was part of crafting, but the credit goes to the elders, ultimately. But... Um, It's what we stand for. A lot of churches don't make a statement like that. We do. That's important to us. Um, So we wanted to, in week one, do the movie. Week two is God's word and God's perspective on life. That's really where the rubber meets the road. It's why we do this. It's why we might be different than some other people that are out doing the same thing we are trying to support life, but our reason is because God made life. And that's not, every, it's it's not a political issue. This is a spiritual issue, 100%. And then we're gonna move on the hope, the gospel message in any setting. That's December 8th. And then the 10th is pro-life resources. And, you know, we have um, two parties here, um, Megan and Molly, that work at Coalition for Life, and I'm hoping they'll be able to help me with some of those resources. Because as the church, if we're teaching that every created human being is a life, then there's going to be a whole lot of adoptions, and there's going to be a whole lot of averted abortions. And we have to learn how to be a friend and a safe place for those people to come to. So how do we do that? I don't have all those answers. And then December 17th, a call to action. Okay, so the goal, a lot of people in church don't talk about abortion. It's not a real popular topic. It's something people are ashamed of. And it's something that Some women have uh, suffered great shame. Some men have obfuscated some accountability and responsibility or even interest. Um, And there's people that run from it. They don't want to talk about it. It's in the shadows. And the people that are going to unearth those conversations are going to be the people in this class because you're going to be knowledgeable You're going to be better equipped to talk about it, and you're going to be better equipped to minister to them, speak life into their life. So the Sanctity of Life statement, let me just read it to you. We believe that each person is a unique creation of God, and in upholding that sanctity of life, do oppose the destruction of human life because it is unwanted, imperfect or merely inconvenient as an atrocity against all of mankind and against God. We oppose the wholesale destruction of life by abortion on demand, the direct or indirect infanticide of newborn children for reasons of mental or physical defects, in the impending threat of legalized euthanasia directed towards the elderly portion of our society. Senility, infirmity, retardation, insanity, and incontinence are not to be recognized as reasons for extermination in the consideration, teaching, and support of these practices are inconsistent with God's divine purpose. And then we have a number of scriptures. I don't have a handout today because it's God's Word and you can just write the scriptures down or get them off the website if you sign up. So I went to Planned Parenthood's website. Today make your tax-deductible donation. Um, um, I looked at uh, historically some of the political banner, and Hillary Clinton cost herself an election, possibly in 2016. Uh, on Meet the Press, um, presidential frontrunner Hillary Clinton committed the ultimate political gaffe. She blurted out the truth. When the topic of abortion came up, she accidentally called an unborn baby a person. A person. That's uh, horrific. Um, but unlike many political gaffes, hers got worse with context. She said the unborn person doesn't have constitutional rights. So she got herself in a difficult situation with most parties in America. Do y'all mind if I sit down? I feel like I'm either too tall, this is too short. Uh, I can't figure this out, but I'm more comfortable sitting down. Um, So it is known as a largely political issue, but I want to go into God's word with it? Here's some short and sweet um, sentences, just catchphrases. Um, I may have handed this to me this morning, so I knew I needed to use it. Life is a gift from God. Life is a gift from God. Life begins at conception. Human life bears the image of God. The innocent should be protected. The innocent should be protected. Uh, God has plans for each individual. Um, Everyone has the right to live. That's a new notion, that human beings don't have a right to live. more modern notion and what God thinks is most important what God thinks is most important so I remember in 1984 I had a chance to travel through Germany and I could go anywhere I wanted and I went to Dachau which was one of the concentration camps Um, And I didn't, I wasn't prepared for what I saw. Um, Dachau was basically the first concentration camp, and they put a lot of political dissidents, homosexuals, uh, communists, Jewish people, whoever they didn't like, they put in the camp. And ultimately over 200,000 people were killed in that camp, and I remember seeing the piles of hair, the teeth uh, from the extractions. It was utterly horrific. Let me ask you, what was the tactic they used in order to get a highly intelligent society—the Germans highly developed, highly intelligent—how could the average German buy into the idea, it's okay. They dehumanized them. And that's the first thing you always have to do with abortion is dehumanize the victim. If you can make that baby something less than a baby, then people won't step up. When they went over into Russia, a couple of hundred million people were dehumanized. 25 miles from here, it's a shame to say, but Dred Scott, uh, a slave who was suing for his freedom was dehumanized. He was turned into property instead of a person. It can happen that easy. We can dehumanize. Quickly, and it can have catastrophic results. So, the first step is dehumanize. We had Roe versus Wade in 1973. How many abortions do you think occurred from Roe versus Wade through the year 2015? Anyone know? 63 million. You know, how many people died in World War I? The war to end all wars. It's about 20 million people. How about World War II? About 50 million people. So we've really wiped out a generation of people. A generation of people. And you count RU-486 and other abortifacients that are orally taken, and uh, you have greater than World War I, World War II put together. And quite frankly, if you added up every war, I, I think it would far exceed it. Um, so <clears throat> a practical definition refers to dehumanization as the viewing and the treatment of other people as though they lack the mental capacities that are commonly attributed to human beings. So they were less than human. They were subhuman. What do you think's happening over in the Gaza Strip? You have subhuman mentality on life. It's okay to kill a Jew um, because they're a Jew. You know, that's how this happens. And I I think ultimately the Nazis had a T4 program which was kept in secret and they took babies and they took other um, people that may not have been fully developed uh, mentally or physically and they would sterilize them because they didn't want any more of them to be produced in their society. It's tragic. What's really tragic is America is highly committed by law and by practice to this form of mass murder. It's no less. This is the United States of America. And that's really the bottom line. We pride ourselves on humanitarianism, but we're in a murderous cycle of violence that makes the Holocaust look mild. There were six million Jews killed. Um, Listen to this. In the United States, nearly two million babies are aborted a year, okay? Every third baby conceived now is being murdered. Every third baby among married women Abortions now exceed births. Can you believe that? More babies are killed than are born. Some would tell us there's an abortion every 15 seconds in America. And that's conservative. This is radical stuff. When you grow used to it every day and you hear these types of numbers, you begin to wonder, um, you know, where are people? So what do you think the top three reasons cited by young girls are for having abortions? And and I don't want to discount the pressure and the intensity and the social ostracization or the the difficulty in making decisions with young girls. I'm not a young girl, but I can in some way appreciate pressures that they're under that I'm not. So what do you think the top three reasons are given as why they are considering having an abortion? they're not ready, okay, that probably fits. There's not one with that title, but I think it fits probably all three of these. Um, One of them is they're not ready to afford raising a child, so that's one of them. A second one would be they have a belief that having a baby would interfere with work, school, or the ability to care for dependents. Okay. Legitimate life challenges. I get it. Um, There are other challenges that women face every day, and they are issues that the church must step in and address. So we must view these women through a lens of grace. Just as God sees us, you know, I can say, I've never had an abortion. She's never had an abortion. You know what? We've sinned. We've all done things we're very ashamed of. We, we've hurt in this life. We've stepped over God's boundaries and we've needed, a forgive, needed forgiveness. There is no sin that we have committed in this lifetime, that if we repent and believe that our Savior paid for it on the cross, that that sin is not dealt with. He took it in our place. So the good news is, there's nothing you've done or I've done or anyone hearing this has done that has to keep them locked in shame and guilt for the rest of their life. They can walk in freedom. Jesus said, when the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. That means all the way free, without hesitation. No looking back. Okay, so that's the good news. Um, you know, I thought just watching President Biden die, I mean, not die, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Um,
1: <laughs>
0: the ultimate faux pas, I'm sorry. No, I went to, I've, I've watched him trip around a lot, you know, we see that on the news. And, I, uh, you know, I've even had the thought with Diane Feinstein and some, hey, they're going to start um, implementing euthanasia. Because at some point, I'm not going to be able to contribute enough because of my mental acuity or my ability to walk around and hold an office. And that could happen to any of us. Where's it going to end? When you lose your value for life, you lose your total perspective. I think I mentioned this, and it's worth re-mentioning. Women fear churches. As places of judgment and shame, when they need help and support the most, why is that? Why is that? Anybody have a comment? Why would you fear the church?
2: Fear of judgment.
0: Yeah. You don't fit in, or people are whispering about you. Well. That's not how it's supposed to be. We need to treat people like Christ treated us with great mercy that was deserved, but not given, and great grace, which was an undeserved gift. Um, You know, it's also interesting as I was looking an abortion's about $400. An adoption is about $40,000. Why is that? Maybe we can have some people within the church that have experienced both of those uh, entities talk to us about it. Any ideas? Is that by design? I'll tell you what, a girl that's 13 without parental uh, permission can go over to Illinois and have an abortion right now, to my knowledge. Now that's tragic. I had five older sisters growing up in the 70s. I couldn't imagine something like that being available. Um, so let's look at Scripture. Someone read Genesis one twenty seven if you would.
2: created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him.
0: Male and female, he created them. Okay, so male and female, we have two genders represented there. Um, you know, there's about another seven left on the table, I guess. <laughs> Forty-five.
2: Wow. Yeah,
0: I love what Pastor Jerry said. He said, men, you can be any, you can identify any way you want to identify. Just don't identify as a deer in the state of Missouri during November. You know? um, so, so the reality is God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God has created every man and woman in His own image. What does that mean, in His own image? We have a mind, we have a will, we have emotions like God. Um, He talks later about kinds, producing kinds. You know, if you have, we have two dogs, King Charles, um, Cavalier, King Charles Spaniels. It's hard to remember the, the, uh, the type, but I remember the price. It wasn't cheap. Um, About a thousand a pop 10 years ago. Welcome. And so bottom line, um, dogs produce dogs. Human beings made in the image of God produce human, human beings made in the image of God. We're excited to have you here. We're just jumping into some scripture. Uh, Exodus 21, to 25. I can take this one. It's a little longer. And then somebody next be uh, set. Uh, May you want to do 139, Psalm 139. 13 to 16, when men get in a fight and hit a pregnant woman so that her children are born prematurely, but there is no injury, the one who hit her must be fined as the woman hus- husband demands from you, and he must pay according to judicial assessment. If there's an injury, then you must give life for life eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, bruise for bruise, wound for wound. So he's recognizing the uniqueness of man. There was a law. I don't know if it's still active in Missouri, but it wasn't all that long ago that it was. But if a woman were pregnant, and you had uh, hit her with your car and the baby died, you were um, charged with uh, um, I think one vehicular homicide and another charge. It wasn't just for the adult that was killed. You were punished for the baby that was killed. It was treated as a life that may have changed since. That was in the last five years. So all the way back to the Old Testament, Exodus 20 is the Ten Commandments, but as we see here in Exodus 21, we're seeing how that lived out in that society, and we're seeing that God considered the mother and the child, human beings in creation from his hands. May 139, 13 to 16,
2: I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained
0: for me, when as yet there was not one of them." You see, your eyes saw my, when I was uh, formless or my unformed substance, that's versus a quivering mass of protoplasm that they try to dehumanize um, babies with today. Um, It's amazing. I never understood the value of birthdays. You know, I like the cake, but I didn't see a big deal with birthdays. But a birthday is a huge day because that's when God has brought a miracle into this world that he wove by his hands. Psalm 127.3, he continues, children are indeed a heritage from the Lord, offspring, a reward. Isaiah 44.24, This is what the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb, says. I am the Lord who made everything, who stretched out the heavens by myself, who alone spread out the earth. Um, Someone wanna take Jeremiah 1.5? Jeremiah 1.5.
1: 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations.
0: Thank you. You think God is serious about every human being he potentially makes? Someone want to read Ephesians 1.7?
3: Forgiveness of our wrongdoings according
0: to the riches of his grace. Okay, so he laid down his life for the lives that he has created. Laid down his life. That's an amazing thing, and we take it so easily. So, what about abortion? The word won't appear in the Bible. Uh, God's word is not silent, however when it comes to the sin of murdering children in the womb. In fact, there are several biblical principles we can look to that shape how we think about this horrific sin. So number one, every person is created by God. I'll read the first one. It's never an accident. God personally creates every life. Psalm 127.3 says, Behold, children are a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Over and over in Scripture, we see these Scriptures. Genesis 16.2. Anybody got it? And the next one will be Genesis 17.16. And the next one will be Genesis 28:18. So 162.
4: I got it. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from marrying children. Go into my servant, it may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai.
0: Okay. So God controls the function of creating children. Genesis 17, 16.
2: I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. King of peoples will come from
0: her. Wow. Genesis 20, 18.
2: For the Lord has closed fast all the wounds of the household of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife.
0: The Lord is in total control. Genesis 25, 21.
1: Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren and the Lord granted his prayer and Rebekah, his wife,
0: conceived. Amen. So in the midst of Paul's powerful sermon in Athens to the philosophers in the Areopagus, the apostle claims God's creative power and control in 17, Acts 17, 24. Paul calls him the God who made the world and all things in it. God created everything and continues to be the creator to this day. Nothing, including man, has come into the world apart from his creative power. So Paul went on to make that very point, saying that God is not served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. It it blows me away sometimes to think of Jonah. You know, you think of a fish. Out in the ocean, and a man being thrown off a boat, and he's going down. He's seeing his last seconds as he goes and he begins to pass out and lose consciousness. And then this fish from eternity past, who has been set on a path to rescue him, rescues him. Jonah. That amazes me. God always shows up. He is the creator. Okay, so no biological accidents. And um, I'm going to start stepping ahead a little bit. So uh, like God, we have communicable attributes. Those are attributes that God has then in some form imperfect form, we can have in use love, hate, communicable attributes. And then there's some that are non-communicable, like omnipresence, Um, that's for God alone. But we are made in the image of God, man and woman. We're not simply a lump of expanding human tissue. Our skin, bones, and muscles do not make up the sum of our existence. Um, They are merely a vessel that contains the image of God. Everything we need for thinking, acting, feeling, knowing, trusting, and hoping, everything fundamental to being a person is there, present in the womb. Here's an amazing observation when I was studying. We often overlook the fact that there was a person, Jesus. and he was flesh and blood. He was a person first, in John 1:14, with God, divine person. and uh, he was it. He was a child. He was in the womb. Matthew 1, Joseph um, could have sent her away when he was betrothed. He could have sent her away, he could release. But the angel appeared and said he will bear a son and he will save his people from their sins. You know, we're sinners by choice, by birth, um, by nature and Jesus wasn't. But just think, he as a baby had to save every one of us because we have the proclivity to sin. So that baby had to save every one of us and be in that form. Um, Human life is sacred. Throughout scripture, We've seen that God has made special provision for the poor, weak, and helpless. Over and over, his people are called to look after those who cannot look after themselves. Psalm 82, 3 and 4. Who's got it?
2: Vindicate the weak and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and destitute. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them out of the hand of the
0: wicked. Okay. So when we talk about weak or more helpless or defenseless, there is none more than an unborn child. So how are some of the ways, what are some of the ways that we can contribute as people at New Community Church, inside and outside the church, in order to influence this process, this horrific process. What are some of those ways? Amay, can you be the scribe? Thank you. Vote correctly. Okay, vote. We know it's not a political battle, but it is a spiritual matter, and it is something we can do if we're eighteen. Um, I don't even know if you have to be registered these days. So, um, just 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 a joke for the sake of the recording. <laughs> okay, so vote. That's right, and and it really is the issue in my mind. You know, if somebody's going to advocate for butchering children, I wouldn't vote for them for dog catcher. Anything else? I
5: think like practical ways, which that's very practical voting, but kind of like hands-on is a lot of like pregnancy resource centers, like the one you work for, Coalition Life, will have things like, we have a Christmas drive coming up where you can make baskets for the moms um and i think a lot of times that's just showing the moms like we're here for you and a lot of times kind of the pro-abortion side they always say pro-abortion because they're not giving them any choice um is they
0: want their money
5: yeah yeah pro-abortion side is just kind of like this is what you need to do but um a lot of times their stance is like you know, you help the baby but not the mom, but I think walking alongside the mom um, through these kind of trials says a lot to them and shows we do want to, like, love and care for you, even through, you know, you trying to decide something like this. So it's a very practical way, it's kind of like donating clothes to, for the babies or even for the mom. I, that. And I was just
3: thinking about how your supervisor says when you guys come alongside the moms and value them that translates into them valuing their baby which brings it back to dehumanization it's amazing just to like show people just that they have value and you care about them and they're not alone how that can truly completely change their mind something as simple as just drawing alongside of them so they know they're not alone you know
0: it's outstanding You know, when people used to come to me with the gospel, if they came at me with the gospel, it didn't go well. Mm -hmm. But when they came to me to understand me, it went extremely well, Mm -hmm. because I knew they cared about me. And I think I hear some of that in what you're saying. It's going to them with a heart of compassion A heart of love to see what we can learn that we don't understand and what can we can provide that they do need anything else
2: along those lines um, at a conference that i attended last year um, Ali beth stuckey spoke and she mentioned in her town one of her good friends is the head of a pregnancy crisis center and that it was a very young mom who was single, and she said, What can we do for you? Mm-hmm. And she said, I don't, I don't know, I don't even have anything to eat, I don't know where to start. Or, you know, and she called her church, mm-hmm. and they got a key to the girl's apartment. Mm-hmm. They furnished her apartment, mm-hmm. baby bed, furniture, full refrigerator of food. Mm-hmm. And when she got home, she walked in and just started weeping and said, No one has ever for me like this who are you like you don't even know me Mm -hmm. and she said they said that it opened her heart so much and they started inviting her to church hey what are you doing next friday night that she came to christ yeah the kindness that opened the door. I love too that there was such like a stepping
3: into needs because sometimes I think in the body of Christ we can be guilty of like waiting for someone with a need to come to us and beg for help instead of just being like, okay, if you are in this category of poor, weak, and helpless, you without a doubt have needs. Like let's step into them instead of waiting for the person to crawl up to us and be like, help, like, just like we know you need help, so let's offer it. You know, I, I think sometimes we can be too passive as we. See people in need and, you know, sit back.
0: Absolutely. See a need, meet a need. Mm -hmm. So do the spirit, reap to the spirit. So do the flesh, reap to the the flesh. What else can we do? Adoption. Or supporting people who are adopting. Absolutely. (laughs) And, and you know, to my shame, I need to learn more about that. I know it, it costs 40 grand. I know it's unaffordable for most, but what is a life worth? We know, I, I know the drinkers have adopted, and I'm sure there's a lot more people. That's just who came to mind. Um, absolutely adoptions. And hopefully, you know, there was something, I hope I quote this correctly, but it was early 1900s, I think, but how they adopted people. They had an orphan train and they just ran it across the Midwest United States. And it was like, come pick up a baby. And that's how they adopted thousands of babies. It's so difficult now. And I I can appreciate the safeguards that should be associated with it. But uh, at the same time, that just seems so unaffordable but God will make a way. What can every person in this room do? Yeah.
1: Let's say we could pray. Yes. Uh, it's, prayer is a great reminder for what you've mentioned just you know, a few times in just the last 30, 40 minutes, and that is he is completely in control of everything. And, and I know that when I have a lack of prayer in my life, it, it's hard for me to remember that. That God is in control, and despite all the crudiness we see in the world around us, He knows what's going on and has it completely under control. But you know, beyond our own personal feelings, we pray for these young women that are going through these challenges. We pray for the people like Megan and Molly that are ministering and these young women, and even pray for the women and men that are working in these facilities that are offering abortion you know, that their hearts can
0: be changed and understand what they're doing. That's a great point. Great point. Sometimes it's us versus them. You know, ultimately it's God's people and a lot of sinners. you know, a quick story. You remember Albert Poolhouse? Um, we moved here from Mississippi, everything in Mississippi was football we didn't know what a baseball was at the <laughs> time. so we came here and were rather lost and it's like there is no football and um but i went across the uh, river and some group i can't name if it was a uh, coalition but they had a a uh, van with a nurse uh in the van where they could do a Um, ultrasound and his wife was over there at the time and so a young lady went in and saw the heartbeat and she said I can't do it can't do it and um, the the um, machine had yet to be paid for it still there was still like a $36,000 balance on it So I went to my church, and they allowed me an opportunity to stand up and just tell the story and see what might happen. And um, I, I told the story. I must be a good storyteller, or I got lucky one or the other. But she called me and said, Albert is driving to Kansas City, and he wants to know how many machines you need. He wants to buy a bunch of them. And I said, well, you know, I only need one machine. I wish I'd have known how to use more of those machines, but there are people with the resources that can get involved and do God's work through means that are impossible for most of us. So, uh, anything else? You know, I think about listening in our engagements, um, you know that that video we watched last week, or that the rest of you will watch this week, it was based in California. In in that state, people are much more open than Missouri about talking about things like this. And these girls are talking about it like it's something funny, um, but. You know, to have that conversation in this church, there's got to be a sense of trust built. You have, to, you have to have discernment and trust built with other women and men. Where are the men that are attached to this? They run pretty quick, don't they? You know, in the old days, I had five older sisters, If something like that occurred, the expectation was marriage. You know, now, you couldn't find them with the search warrant. They don't want any responsibility. And God can forgive that too. Just like he can forgive every part of this process. So there anything else we want to chart that we might be working on?
2: That kept coming up, you know, the young girls. Um, just the way that he approached her at the end, um, it was very touching because he he didn't, he wasn't harsh, or he was he he said, Look, you you have been through a lot. Like he kind of listened, like what you were saying. He was patiently listened to her talk a lot, but then he said, You were were made in the image of God. You know, your parents were choosing your name before you were born. you your you what he expects of you just the way he had he treated her with love Mm -hmm. and I think that's what opens the door for someone to even be willing to listen
0: that's right I had a friend this week who's four years younger than I and I went to high school with him called me out of the blue his wife died of an aneurysm he has six kids age eight to 17, and um, how's he standing? You know, he's standing because of Christ. That's the only way we can stand in a situation like that. But God is concerned about every circumstance in our lives. Even Alex's Achilles, I love the day towards Achilles, he was in here teaching. Or, or the day after, and um, that impressed me. Um, so let me see how I want to wrap up here in the last couple of minutes. Um, I'm just going to read, you know, one of the things that a take on this that we may not have thought as much about, you know, when When we go to um, David, David, um, in Psalm 22, 9 and 10, David writes, Yet you are he who brought me forth from the womb. You made me trust when upon my mother's breasts. Upon you I was cast from birth. You have been my God from my mother's womb. And David was convinced that he belonged to God even when he was still inside his mother's womb. And so that confidence is the reason he could react to the death of his own child when the words he spoke in 2 Samuel 12 and 13, I will go to him, but he will not return to me. So it's that statement from David that actually gives us great hope that when we lose a child um, that we anticipated and that we knew God had made and had formed, that that child is safe. That gives us great hope, what David wrote. He said, I will go to him but he will not return to me. So God's overruling grace protects infants who die and takes them to glory. Even these babies that are butchered and how horrific this is, we can trust God even in that process to have mercy on those babies. And we can participate with Him in the process to be a part of his kingdom and do wonderful things. So I'm, I'm gonna leave it there with any questions. Any questions? Okay. Well, I really enjoyed it. Thanks for being so participative. And uh, I'll, put, I'll put everything I say online And that way you have it as a resource. If you want to look back, um, John MacArthur wrote a book and I don't want to say it wrong, but I think it's safe in the hands, safe in the arms of God. And it it talks about the safety of these babies, even when their lives are taken and, um, it gives us hope. And I think the prayer piece, if we do a study on prayer, If our prayers are aligned with the prayers of Jesus Christ, we move mountains. Not necessarily rocks. I have a sister that deals with depression a lot. And I call her sometime and she can't do much else, but lie lie there. And I say, how you doing? She said, "Oh." I'm moving mountains. You wouldn't believe what's happening right now. We can pray and we can be efficacious in our prayers because God has promised us that if we come to Him His prescribed way. Okay? Thanks for coming. I appreciate it. And I hope this topic will equip us ultimately um, I'll just go back to the number one thing I wrote on this page um, and leave it there. I can't find. uh, So, our goal, we want to be the best equipped people inside of NCC to minister to God's people, and outside of NCC to minister to the world. We wanna be the experts. Nobody else has taken an abortion class. We ought to walk out of here after five weeks pretty knowledgeable. And if I miss something, uh, I'll research it and post it, where you can read it. You won't even have to come to class. But we really should look at some sidewalk counseling, Um, you know, there's some nuances to working in that environment, but it can be done. We used to have a ministry, and I don't uh, recollect the details. Maybe I could check it out, but Thrive, is that still part of? Okay. So they're, they're friends with the coalition? Okay. So there's a lot of ways, a lot of ways. Thanks for coming. Yes, sir?
1: I, I, I wanted to just make one point, and maybe it's kind of a question, too, to get other people's response, but I have actually heard Christians, self-proclaimed Christians, you know, ask the question, why should we be that concerned about abortion if, as we know, God protects the life of the police and gathers them to himself? So, why is this such a concern? And i I've debated people on this front, you know, and really come back to the very point that you made—that well, God commands us to respect and honor the life that He created. That means that we don't necessarily have a disregard for well, you know, they kept the baby, and therefore they're on their own now. I'm yeah. curious what kind of response or reaction you get from young women that might have that attitude when they come in. Like, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? You know. If, if I give up my baby, the baby's gonna go to heaven, be with God, why should I be that concerned about it? How how are you guys trained to kind of respond to that attitude? I'm, I'm curious if you get that from any young women.
2: Yeah.
5: I don't know if I don't know if I've like had them say specifically like, you know, I know they're gonna go to heaven. It's more of just kind of like they're not gonna feel it or it's not gonna hurt them and they'll be out of Pain quickly um, but I think a lot of times like the root and I don't know if you've noticed this too like talking with women on the sidewalk when you like kind of get to their root like the values that they have like they all are aware like this is this is murder and when you trace it back to their main values it doesn't align you know what I mean and so it is hard because talking to a Christian it's easy to say but this is this is a child creating the image of God and you can defend it with that with these women a lot of times it is like this this is your child like this is part of you that you're killing you know don't know if you would have more to that I haven't specifically had women say I know it's going to go to heaven after this but I'm sure Christians would have very different responses you know about abortion than the women who don't know Christ you know
0: my initial response is The Lord laid down his life for his bride. He knew they were all coming. He laid his life down for them. So there's no greater love than one who would lay down their life for a friend. And um, that's what he's teaching us in today's sermon, I think. So this is wonderful. Jared? Well, I was
4: also, I'm not saying this is what, it's more just kind of a devil's advocate kind of thing. Because I I feel like the position of God is going to save the kids is more just like an inference based on what we already know about his character. Because we know he's so gracious, like how could he do that? And you know, you brought up the passage about David and what he says about, you know, his son, how he's going to go to him. But I, I don't know if there's anything specifically in scripture that like guarantees that, if you know what yeah, I mean. Um, I do, yeah. So, I, I don't know, I, I'm almost kind of taking like the the standpoint of like, because we don't know for sure, it's like, I, I don't know if we can like confidently say like 100%, like that's mm-hmm. what happened. It's, like, a,
0: it's a source of potential comfort. Yes. Yeah, without a doubt. It, it's just like this. Why do we send missionaries when God can um, you know, open the eyes of the blind in the jungle? Why, why do I need to go out there and die? Because he's given me an opportunity yes. to participate.
4: Yeah, no, that's a good way to put
1: it. Yeah, Same thing, really. Same argument with prayer. Yeah. You know, Christians yeah. can make the argument that, well, why is prayer necessary? If God is going to fulfill his purpose anyway, why should I? Well... Number one, God commands you to pray, and number two, you're missing the opportunity
0: to be at work with God. That's right. I love what Ronald Reagan said, um, if I get it right. He said, everyone having this conversation is alive. Had a chance to be born. I was born with spina bifida. You know, back in that day, my parents wouldn't have made that decision to abort me but a lot of them would. And um, have you ever seen a 4D or 5D um, image of a baby now in a, have you seen that? If you haven't, dial that up on your computer and you'll think you're having coffee with uh, that baby. You can see every detail. It's unbelievable. It's just a person, All right. Father, thank you for this time today with people that have a heart for protecting the innocent and God's people and laying our lives down, uh, Lord, uh, for their good, for your glory and Lord, help us to make a difference from new community church inside and outside of the church, hurting people, desperate people. Girls don't know where to go. They don't have truth spoken into their lives. They don't have a support system. Help us to be that and have the privilege of being a part of saving some of your children.
2: In Jesus' name we pray, amen.